0: Welcome to Food for Thought, the podcast where we talk about everything and anything as it pertains to health. And this season, we've been focusing on things that affect how well we are able to get to where we want to be with respect to our eating and training goals. The thing that a lot of people forget to take into consideration is the third leg of the old three-legged stool. We always think about eating and activity, but the linchpin for both of those is actually adequate sleep. Today's podcast will focus on the role that sleep plays in physical performance, whether that be motivation to exercise, Hitting new personal bests, or sport performance and so much more because we know that sleep has a big impact on performance in sport and physical activity joining me today to discuss this important and oft forgotten topic is my colleague nicole emerson the mighty second leg of our three-legged hps tool welcome back nicole glad to have you here again why do you think sleep has such a big impact on performance
1: Chris, I'm glad to be back and, and really looking at our bread and butter if you will and sleep certainly is something that we have been paying more attention to of late, possibly because it seems like so many of us in our office at least aren't always getting as much as we need, even though, you know, we know better. Let me just back up your question just a bit to start, because I do absolutely want to talk about how important sleep is to performance, especially in sport, but sleep is important for all of us. It's an essential part of maintaining optimum health. And while it absolutely is extremely important for performance, it's as important for learning, development and physical and mental health.
0: And of course we know this as parents, but we forget that it's not just our kids that need to get enough regular sleep. We grown-ups ought to know better and more importantly, do better in that department it really does play a pivotal role and while we do like to focus on the reasons to do something as opposed to not do or avoid something, I think that knowledge is power and it's good to always remember some of the consequences of inadequate sleep. And these include a reduction in cognitive performance, mood disturbances, increases in risk-taking behavior, and drowsy driving. From the perspective of being physically active or more specifically looking at athletic performance, poor sleep can cause reductions in performance, It impacts decision-making ability, the ability to learn new skills and immune function, as well as it increases injury risk and can even be a factor in weight management or specifically whatever it is that you're trying to do to maintain a healthy weight, a pretty weighty list of consequences when you think about it like that.
1: Oh, for sure. And it's interesting how sleep is one of those aspects of health that is often underrated in terms of its impacts on us. We kind of overlook it. We all need it just like we need food and water, but we don't often make a healthy sleep schedule a priority or we struggle for many different reasons to achieve that quality sleep. When we consider all the good things that happen during sleep, it's easy to see the connection between quality sleep and performance. When we sleep, our brain stores new information and gets rid of waste. If we're learning a new physical skill or trying to improve on an existing one, Adequate quality sleep is essential. During sleep, our body also repairs cells, stores energy, and releases molecules like hormones and protein, all of which are necessary to build and repair muscle, bone, and other tissues in our efforts to get fitter, faster, and even healthier. It's during sleep that the nerve cells communicate with one another and reorganize supporting healthy brain function and making all those new neural pathways that are how we build new, ideally good habits. Physical activity and sport require attention and coordination and without sleep, impaired nerve function can lead to poor coordination, lack of focus and poor decision making, which leads to that increased risk of injury, as you mentioned.
0: It does seem strange that while folks tend to focus on their fitness and sport goals or activities, a lot of those same folks tend to home in on their nutrition and their training program, completely forgetting about sleep. And unbeknownst to them, that omission is often the culprit behind the way they end up feeling frustrated that they aren't performing the way they want to be, or that they're not seeing the results they want, even though they think they're doing all the right things. It's easier for them to accept the idea that the rest between sets is important. People get that, or most people do. But when we talk about actual rest days, there are a lot of people who really start to push back against that. And when we say, hey, how's your sleep? Are you getting enough? They brush it aside, not even realizing that they're inadvertently hamstringing their potential, all because they're getting shorted in the sleep department. And I mentioned those mood disturbances. It doesn't take too many nights of lost sleep or too little sleep to leave you cranky and irritable as well as the huge hit our motivation will take to even just get exercising in the first place when we don't get that sleep. So it can really snowball pretty quickly.
1: Absolutely. And when we are talking about that increased risk of injury, there's also the consideration of the downtime and lost results and lost opportunity when injuries occur and injury rates are very closely linked to reduced sleep. In order to reduce our injury risk, we want to do everything we can to increase focus, reaction time and coordination and make good decisions and not the opposite.
0: And what's funny is that it can be as simple as the ordinary act of picking a dumbbell up off the rack that may cause that injury, not the actual activity that you were planning on doing, that bicep curl or whatever. Because when you're tired and unfocused, you're not stopping to think about considering your form when you go to pick up that dumbbell, you just kind of walk over it and grab it. You don't do the exercise in that same mindless kind of a way. So it's in that moment when you aren't focused on your form and you inadvertently hinge from your hip without bracing your core and whammo, your back is tweaked. And as a result, you miss the next two weeks of training.
1: And the opposite can also be true when you are or perhaps rather should be thinking about more complex things like The attention needed to play a team sport or stay focused during a practice, especially in high-impact and fast-paced sports, it's important for players to read their surroundings and anticipate potential collisions. When a player is fatigued after poor sleep, they're slower to react. A slowed reaction time could be the difference between a player taking a preventable injury or racing for an impact. You know, I'm a stats and research nerd, and I read a recent study involving sleep data in mixed martial arts that demonstrated a link between sleep and injuries out of Nova uh, Southeastern University. The study concluded that among a group of athletes undergoing performance testing in a six-week fight camp, athletes who showed consistency in sleep missed significantly fewer sessions due to fatigue and injury throughout. The study also concluded that other tactical occupations such as military, law enforcement, and fire departments may benefit from consistency and sleep metrics.
0: I love how they have to say may benefit from consistency and sleep metrics because you can pretty much guarantee that they would benefit from an increase or an improvement in those sleep metrics. But yeah, further to that, when it comes to sleep recovery, sleep that is insufficient in duration also doesn't provide the body with the time needed to regenerate cells and allow for the repair from the abuse of those workouts, games, and daily activities. This means that not only can sleep deprivation take players out of the game through injuries, but it can also keep them out longer due to slowed recovery. Over time, sports injuries, health issues, and the ability to fully recover Can literally wear down an athlete and contribute to more time spent on the sidelines as opposed to doing what they love and have been training to do. So what can the average Joe or the high performance athlete do to swing the odds back in their favor?
1: I think the first strategy I would suggest working on is to have a regular sleep schedule. While it's clearly not always possible to avoid injuries, athletes that maintain a steady sleep schedule give their bodies the best possible chance to recover quickly and avoid future preventable injuries. If you told an athlete that you had a treatment that would reduce the chemicals associated with stress, that would naturally increase human growth hormone, that enhances recovery rate, that improves performance, my guess is that they would all do it. They would jump all over it. The surprising thing is that amazing treatment is sleep.
0: It's so crazy. And if the threat of injury isn't enough to get you seriously considering a sleep schedule and other healthy sleep habits, which we'll talk about in a minute, consider the quality of your performance. For instance, Sleep quality has been shown to impact both the shooting accuracy and sprint times of basketball players, and for any of you who are NBA fans, you may recall that LeBron James is a huge proponent of getting enough sleep in an environment where late nights, early mornings, grueling training, and game schedules often take its toll even on the mightiest players. Improved sleep has also seen increases to athletic performance in tennis players, swimmers, weightlifters, and more. Not only has lack of sleep been shown to reduce athletic performance, but increased sleep has also been shown to have a significant impact on improving performance. So if that isn't enough to convince you, well, then honestly, I don't know what is.
1: Exactly. It seems pretty obvious that it is such an important component of not just high level performance, but just general overall health. But there's even more reasons to consider doing better in the sleep department. In addition to improved accuracy and speed, reaction time is also a big factor in in improved performance. And if you've ever been in the field and have experienced that bone crushing fatigue, you know that even a low level of fatigue can impair reaction times as much or more than being legally drunk. It's not hard to imagine that you're not going to be highly effective at your sport or activity when you've had a few. Even if in that slightly buzzed state, you feel like you are the best dancer or whatever, a single all-nighter of gaming can reduce reaction times by more than 300%. And let's not even get started on sleep recovery. That can take several days, if not more. Oh,
0: absolutely. Sleep debt is a thing. And just like financial debt, easy to get into a lot harder to get out of. But going back to the impairment, you might think Nicole is referring to the performance effects of going on a bender. But according to Harvard Medical School's division of sleep medicine, being awake for 22 hours can slow your reaction time more than consuming four standard size cans of beer. And maybe that's not a lot of beer for some people, but that seems like a lot of beer to me anyway. And yes, while there are for sure physiological differences between being intoxicated and being fatigued, the impact on reaction times is still there. And the dangers and the outcomes and the potential really negative outcomes are just as real.
1: And just like with drinking, we talk about not being able to make the best decisions when we've had a few or a few too many. The same is true of sleep deprivation. Decision making is impaired. And so we are now either putting ourselves or others at risk of our not being able to make those right decisions, whether that's while out adventure training or in the field or even in a floor hockey game. One dumb decision leading to a dumb move can lead to a blown knee or something else that could even be much worse, especially if it's to someone else. Our decisions impact others on so many levels. It's not just on the road or on the range, where obviously that's going to be even more important to be as much on your game as you can be. I think that that's what I find so fascinating about sleep is that It's such an important component of
0: health and that it plays a role in almost everything from how we feel, our mood, to how likely we are to get sick, and the actual decisions that we make. And it's not something that we should take lightly or reduce to the pile of things I will do when we're dead. Other impacts of reduced sleep show that motivation, focus, memory, and learning are all impaired by shortened sleep. Without sleep, the brain struggles to consolidate memories and absorb new knowledge, which honestly, is what should be happening every day. Sam Ramsden, director of player health and performance for the Seattle Seahawks says that sleep is a weapon. And to paraphrase, he says it can catapult your performance when used correctly, but when used incorrectly can lead to your demise.
1: So it's not just us in health promotion, or even the folks at DFIT or SISM, but people who work with the elite of the elite. And so hopefully, at this point, you're if not keen to improve your sleep, at least considering that maybe this is something that needs to be taken more seriously. Krissa, you've spent a lot of time looking at sleep hygiene tips from both science and the sports worlds. Besides the sleep schedule, what recommendations would you make to help people start getting some quality Zs? Well,
0: I wish that I was Sam Ramson because then maybe more people would listen. But yes, the sleep schedule is absolutely key. And it's actually one component of this crazy phrase called sleep hygiene, which is basically just referring to all of the habits that we have around sleep that will improve our chances of having a successful sleep. So let's start by looking at your bedroom. Where can you make some improvements? We know that light has a major impact on quality sleep. We need to convince our body and our brain that it's time for sleep. And for that, we need darkness. So consider the aspects of your room that might be affecting this. Do you need blackout blinds? Do you have light leakage anywhere in the room that could be corrected from an alarm clock or a nightlight or the hallway or something like that? Do you have a TV in your room or do you have other devices that feature prominently on your nightstand, for example, like I'm thinking the phone where you get sucked into the late night doom scrolling because that light is another key culprit. If you do, and I would argue that many people do. I would also argue that it's really important to consider one of two things. One, remove the devices or the TV from your bedroom, ideally, or two, if that's a no-go, for you, and for some people it is, at least try to power down all those devices for 45 minutes minimum before you want to go to sleep.
1: That's perfect. And while light of any kind can suppress the secretion of melatonin, the hormone that helps us to feel sleepy, blue light, which is what is emitted from all of our devices, can be much more powerful in causing that suppression. But it can be a tough sell for sure, especially when every hotel, every hotel room, has a TV in it. And every TV show or show home features these giant bedrooms, with giant TVs. So that's the message we have been being sent that that is normal and desired and good. We need to take sleep seriously. And when it comes to setting up our bedroom, that is such a huge component fight that urge to keep up with the proverbial Joneses. K-I-S is a great principle for the bedroom. Keep it simple, or in this case, screen free. What else should we consider?
0: Staying with the theme of your bedroom, I would say try to make it as peaceful and comfortable as possible. Buy the best mattress, bedding, and pillows you can afford. Make your room feel tranquil. And that might simply mean making sure that it stays clean, which my 13 year old refuses to acknowledge is a good thing, but it really is. If you're feeling really inspired and it's an option, you might try painting it in a calming color. But if that isn't an option, even just adding some art that you find relaxing or any other ways that you can create that sense of calm in that space. Temperature also plays a really important role. The Sleep Foundation suggests a temperature of around 18 degrees Celsius for sleep. And there's obviously going to be some personal preference there, but the studies do suggest that a cooler room is more conducive to quality sleep. It's better that you keep the temperature cooler and then just pile on warm and cozy blankets as opposed to turning the heat up in your room. So those are just some of the suggestions. But Nicole, what else have you discovered that um, you think you'd like to pass along as some good tips to try to create the best circumstance for getting a good sleep on a consistent basis?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking, because as you alluded to, a good sleep is something that is affected by all the things that you do over the day, just as insomnia is something that doesn't just suddenly hit at bedtime. So there are absolutely things you can be doing during the day to improve sleep. Avoiding a big meal right before bed would be one thing. It can be harder to fall asleep if your body is still digesting a big dinner. On the other hand, a light snack with a little carb and a little protein can actually be beneficial to improving recovery from your workouts, as well as keeping you from waking up because you are hungry. But of course, recognize that that energy needs to be considered within the context of the whole day. Also be mindful of your alcohol consumption. Alcohol can induce drowsiness. So for some people, they might think that alcohol improves their sleep because they feel themselves getting sleepy when when they've had a glass of wine or or whatever. Unfortunately, alcohol affects the brain in ways that can lower sleep quality and keep us from reaching our deep REM cycles, which is where all of those amazing restorative benefits happen.
0: And I think that this is so hilarious in not because it's hilarious that we shouldn't be drinking before bed, but because I just happened to hear Peter Mansbridge talking about sleep the other day at the end of his podcast. He does these little bits at the end of the bridge and he calls them end bits. And he was talking about sleep. He had read this study and he's like, you know, I'm getting older, and you know, I used to be a TV anchorman and, you know, had crazy hours and whatever. But all of the tips that he was sharing with us are exactly the ones that we're talking about right now. But he had a real hard time with this one, because the study that he was referring to was actually saying that you had to have stopped drinking in the afternoon, not just in the evening. And so he was like, so when am I supposed to be drinking? Like, can I drink only in the morning? Because are we supposed to wait until five o'clock? Because isn't that the joke? It's five o'clock somewhere. So we know that don't drink before sleep, you know, don't drink in the day, that would probably also be a good tip. But just Bearing that in mind, thinking really logically again about the decisions that you're making, the choices that you're making, and why it is you might be choosing that. If you think that the only way that you can go to sleep is if you have a beer or something before bedtime, maybe think about what else you could be doing instead of doing that because you're going to be inadvertently sabotaging that sleep. That REM sleep is going to be messed up and it's going to lead to potentially more problems down the line. So, really thinking about backing up the bus a little bit, thinking about the why you're doing something and addressing that as opposed to just medicating. With whatever. And so I don't know what Peter's ultimate decision was, whether he was or was not going to have that beer at whatever time, but I just thought that was kind of hilarious. Because the other thing with drinking before bed is not just the alcohol, but the caffeine. And in our house, I've pretty much given up the battle that I've been having with my husband. And it's his caffeine intake that is all day long, which is contributing to his poor sleep. And because that is another one of those vicious cycles, we most of us know. The caffeinated drinks, including coffee, tea, sodas, and particularly energy drinks can all cause problems with long-term sleep deprivation because we think it's going to not keep us awake. We drink it too late in the day. We don't sleep well. We wake up. We don't feel rested. We have more caffeine. And it's because of the half-life of the caffeine that it becomes a problem. So the closer to bedtime you're actually having that caffeine, the more of a problem it's going to become. And the reason is that that half-life of the caffeine means that there's still going to be caffeine in your system later at night when you're trying to sleep. Again, according to the Sleep Foundation, the role of caffeine on the brain is that it blocks adenosine receptors, which is what we want it to do during the day when we're trying to stay alert. But adenosine is a sleep-promoting chemical that is produced in the brain during our waking hours. So again, when we're awake and it's day, that caffeine isn't going to have any impact. But We want the adenosine that is being produced to build up over the day. And that happens the longer that we're awake. The more that it builds up, the sleepier we become. When caffeine blocks that process, as in later in the evening, when we want the adenosine to be doing what it's supposed to be doing and caffeine is in there instead, we're not going to be feeling that sleep. So it is going to be keeping us vigilant and alert instead of encouraging us to go to sleep. So to avoid this, Keep an eye on your caffeine intake and do what you can to avoid it later in the day. They suggest no later than two o'clock. Switch to the decaf versions because otherwise it really can become that self-fulfilling prophecy of being a barrier to falling asleep.
1: And there might be folks listening that are thinking, I'm doing all of that already and I still can't sleep. And that's a totally legit question and one that I can totally relate to. And while the suggestions aren't all encompassing, and we don't want to underplay the challenges that people may be having, there are certainly some things that you can at least start to investigate, like when you work out, if it's within a few hours of sleep, it might get you too jacked up to be able to fall asleep. Or what are you watching on TV or on your device? If it's too stimulating or violent or disturbing on some level, it might again get your mind working on all cylinders as well as triggering any adrenaline response, which isn't really conducive to sleep. And on that note, If it's an overactive mind that's keeping you awake, consider trying some relaxation techniques like progressive muscle relaxation or guided imagery. And if you are still unsuccessful in falling asleep, don't just lay there and stew on it. That often just makes it worse. If you spent around 20 minutes in bed without being able to fall asleep, get out of bed and do something relaxing like reading a book or even having a hot shower. That temperature shift from hot to cool can trigger that sleepiness. Or do something boring, ideally in low light. Try to get your mind off of sleep for at least a few minutes before returning to bed. And if all else fails, talk to your doctor. Don't let a sleepless life get the best of you.
0: Absolutely, because sleep or the lack thereof can really be the bane of many people's existence. Despite their best efforts, sleep just seems to be elusive. So, absolutely, talk to the professionals. And we know that that's hard right now. We know that there's a real backlog on getting in to see people to help you, but talk to a friend. Talk to someone that you trust, talk to a family member, try to get stuff off your chest because, you know, we all need to have that sounding board. We all need to have that ability to kind of offload some of the stuff from the day because only after you've done everything that you can think of, and including some of the things that we've suggested, obviously, but you got to try to get to the bottom of it. Again, we need to address the root causes typically that's going to result in a much better outcome than just putting band-aids on things and, and hoping that that's going to work. So try to get to what those other reasons might be that could be impacting why you're not sleeping. If you've done all of those things, if you've set up your schedule and your routine and you've, you know, created that sanctuary that is your bedroom and you're not having the caffeine and you're not drinking, like what else might there be? That's a really good sign that maybe there's something else going on that somebody can help you to deal with. So Nicole, any final thoughts for our listeners?
1: So I'll, I'll end with the importance of sleep to athletic performance can't be overstated. We know that. Sleep quality is a potential predictor of speed and reaction time, errors, and if they make errors, injuries. Along with physical and mental conditioning, proper nutrition and hydration, sleep should be a regular part of everyone's preparation.
0: Amen to that, sister. Now, if you all aren't ready to grab that glass of hot milk and the book that you've been meaning to get to to try to catch some Z's, well, I don't know that there's any more that we can do. But thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And Nicole, thanks for such a great conversation that will hopefully encourage people to now place sleep right up there with things that they need to prioritize for both health and performance. Looking forward to our next conversation where we take a look at that nutrient that everyone loves to hate, carbs. carb load or not to carb load? That will be the question. Hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, take care, stay healthy,
1: and we'll see you on the flip-flop.